four straight days of FFPC Playoff Challenge content. I hope you guys are not sick of us yet, but luckily we are bringing in a fresh face, one that I know you guys are always excited when he swings by the show. It is, of course, none other than Rotoviz's Sean Siegel. Sean, great to have you back on the show, man. Well, it's awesome to be here. This is this is my favorite. So the last time I did the show, I had more fun than I've ever had doing a show. And so, you know, if it can be half that good tonight, it'll be a blast. And, and rest assured, I don't actually have any existing prop bets up about getting you to say <laughs> piss boy yeah, or anything I mean, like that. So it's that, that was the most fun you've ever had. What are we trying to do? <laughs> when we Chris tricked Yellow? you into saying piss boy, you kind of knew that's what we were doing. Yeah, we're recording Stealing Bananas, and, and Ben's like, they've got that all over the internet now. <laughs> I uh, cool. I made a little highlight video just from a bunch of shows from throughout the year that I put out on uh, New Year's Eve, and uh, you better believe that the Piss Boy uh, clip made the cut. Perfect, perfect. Um, Chris in the chat, excited to hear Grandpa Corain tell another playoff story. Yes, we will tell some stories tonight. We will spin some yarns. Uh, ben Gretsch, how are you doing? Good, man. I'm good. Just talked to Sean a few hours ago for our Stealing Bananas episode for tomorrow, so that hasn't released yet. Now we get a chat with him here. Should be a blast. Uh, yeah, feeling good. And, and Pat, you just did uh, today establish the edge, right, with Leone? So we're just like a snake eating its own tail in every yes. direction. <laughs> I did establish the edge with Leone, and like I barely remember doing that it seems like just a normal thing that of course i would have done a pod like we just talked about stuff we've you know we've just like been so deep in the lab on all this stuff i'm talking leon in discord so it seemed natural just to get up on a on a, on a stream and, and talk it out too yeah i saw daigle did a thread today too linking to all of his ffpc playoff <laughs> challenge content it was like a six tweet thread i mean we are we are all like you would have thought we all wanted a break right now but somehow yeah. the playoffs have invigorated us do you feel like you have a second wind right now sean yes i mean it's, it's been it's been awesome colin and i are putting together some teams we are going to take another shot at this and who knows maybe this will be the time i i teased on stealing bananas which obviously doesn't really work for the timeline because it's going to come out after the show but my bold prediction for you guys is that i think that the ship chasing teams in the ffpc playoff contest are going to go one two three <laughs> one two three right oh, that's, so that's nice I, to hear Sean, can we start with maybe a more realistic goal how about <laughs> yeah. one in the top <laughs> we'll take one, <laughs> take mean, one. <laughs> no, i'll take two i'll just take second if we can if we can lock that in well, well, forget I mean, one in the top three. Let's make it first the way this thing pays sure, out. Sure. <laughs> I think the the bigger the bigger goal is just to keep rolling what happened in the regular season, which was seeing a ton of rotoviz and ship chasers and stealing signals readers all at the top of the uh, the leaderboards for these contests. So yeah, I think we keep that momentum going. Uh, Sean, what is your what is your process for you know when you start to build lineups for this contest? Are you just kind of picking your guys do you have a more you know methodical process how do you how do you think about constructing lineups for this contest yeah i, I mean it's going to be all about trying to figure out what scenarios you think are going to play out and then trying to figure out how you can get exposure to basically all of the stars and yet because of the scenarios you think are going to happen you'll still have that differentiation but doing it without taking really lower down guys and 
it seems weird. We, we discussed it a couple times on Ceiling Bananas on OT. It, it feels like you know, really moving along through this. And I guess the main sort of takeaway I have at this point of the week, having looked at it through the week, is that if you're playing a bunch of teams for sure, but then also even if you're only playing a couple teams and you want to not just cash but be toward the top, at this point, I don't think that you can play both sides of Arizona, Los Angeles, Dallas, San Francisco, New England, Buffalo. You need to kind of take a stand with your lineup on which teams are going to make it through there because you have some individual guys. I mean, some of those teams, the player you pick is just going to have one game, right? And there may be some one game players on teams that you actually think are much more likely to be eliminated, but are going to score more points in that first round anyway. And so there's a tendency, and I played it in the past and cashed well with it, where you try and make sure you keep players alive on some of these close games. I think that will work depending on how you do it. And and certainly if you get a guy who does score well, then you're fine. But I think that especially with what we see from this postseason's dynamic, that's maybe something you want to at least consider with those games. We talked about that a little bit on tomorrow, stealing bananas. And I realized after we recorded, Sean, um, after we talked through it, that because we also talked about the like CJ Uzama plays and, and how <laughs> we've talked all week here that like that's too thin in this contest, right? Well, I realized after that what you're trying to accomplish with the CJ Uzama play, that's how you accomplish it, what Sean just said. You play a good player from the team that is going to be heavily faded. You play Dallas Goddard, or you play, I mean, even if you wanted to go Miles Sanders or something, at least that player can be the best scorer on or his Devonta team. Or Devonta Smith. Yeah, or Devonta Smith, right? Or then you go over to the Steelers. You can play Deontay Johnson. You can even go to Chase Claypool if you want to get to a 1%. But you play a player yeah, who's yeah. good, not C.J. Uzama from a, a good team that could advance. You play a team that's likely to get eliminated, that they're going to be faded at a really high rate. That's the exact same play in this contest that, that you actually want to make. Yeah, And, and like fade the Bengals instead of playing Uzama, you know, if that's what you want to do. And even to just slightly reframe that as a thought exercise, like imagine in DFS, right? Like some of the really thin plays we play because it's – you know, so touchdown dependent, and it's a super small sample size of just one game. There's plenty of times where Uzoma could outscore, you know, T Higgins over a one game sample. But if you were playing a two week long DFS contest, how many times would you want to play CJ Uzoma over T Higgins? And that's what you're playing here. If you are playing the Bengals to win the game. So I, I think that's just a good way to think about it too, of like, what, how, what are you trying to accomplish? And is that the best way of doing it? Well, Sean, you, you mentioned San Francisco, Dallas, Arizona, LA is places where people need to, to pick the winner. Uh, is that because of the game environments there? Are you not as interested in the game environments there as like Tampa Bay, Philly, uh, Pittsburgh, KC, Las Vegas, and Cincinnati? Is that is that the reason that you're you're looking to to pick those games specifically? I think more that you can easily do it and get away with it if if you have some guys on the Raiders or the Steelers, I think that uh, you really have to do it. I think with the Patriots bills, especially if the weather is going to be as rough as we think, because not only is a team going to lose there, but maybe really nobody scores. And so you almost need that second game from the team just to get a decent point total in the first place. And if you think that the chief's defense has sort of emerged, even in the second game, you might not get a great score. So that might be one to look away from a little bit there. But I also think that if you do pick a, a team or that you think is going to advance, you get some big scores from, say, Dak Prescott. And then also, I think on the kicker and defense side, there are some interesting plays that you could go with that maybe if you were wrong, 
you would able to, if you pick the rest of it right, you could still, you know, make your money back, that kind of thing, because kicker defense scores from those teams would be decent. I feel like the 49ers are a really interesting team um, in how you envision that game going. And, you know, we revealed our, our boomer opto last night with Hassan and Blair. We had Debo Samuel in it, partly because Debo Samuel just feels like the comfortable play, regardless of how that game goes. He could get there in a victory. He could get there in a loss. He's used in a variety of ways. How do you think about, say, the other good alternatives in Eli Mitchell and George Kittle? Uh, are there certain game flows that you would be hoping for uh, if you were utilizing those guys? Yeah. The thing with Kittle that is interesting is that I think that sort of Kittle is the guy if you're going to play Leonard Fournette, right? As I've continued to look at it in the way that it could play out, Gronkowski is somebody that I really like you know, with the receivers gone with some potentially decent matchups there. He's actually scored, you know, in, in since week 12, 87% snap percentage, averaging over 16 points per game. He's got four games over 20. I mean, if they win, obviously we would expect Fournette to be involved, but I think also you have a run from Gronkowski there that changes who you're going to play at the other running back positions. Because if you don't play Fournette, then, and this may just be a little bit of the, the zero running backish feeling that I have on, on some of these runners. We know when we go into the season that it's going to be tricky to play some of those guys from the first rounds. But now in this playoff contest, we don't really even have stars outside of, say, Fournette and Henry. And on Henry's side, there are some interesting reasons why he's a trickier play. But if you go away from Fournette to Gronkowski, then suddenly you have a really hard time, I think, just filling the running back spots. Well, so so are you are you more interested in like the Tampa Bay guys if San Francisco wins? Is that what you're saying? Because because they would play the winner of LA and Cardinals, um, and they have to go. Uh, but they have to play Dallas if Dallas wins. So I think in some ways I'm more interested in Tampa Bay if if we get San Francisco getting through in the first round. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. So, um. What you're, about? Oh, go you, ahead. You so you're, you're, Sean. You're kind of zeroing in on a couple tight ends. It sounds like, like obviously Kelsey's in play. Gronk is the second highest projected tight end, right? I mean, he's the guy that you were just mentioning is, is a really strong playoff of Kittle. If you weren't going to play Kittle or even alongside Kittle, uh, excuse me, uh, Kelsey. But then Kittle is the third, or in that in that third discussion, right? There's a couple other guys as well. Ertz is a big one as well. But you, you're kind of saying like, I mean, are, are you considering going all the way to like Goddard or some of those types of guys? No, I I think that you want to be with the star tight ends here. The one that's interesting, if you're going to play both sides of Arizona and San Francisco, would be Ertz there. It's it's tricky for me. And in some ways, you can kind of play these playoff contests to where you have some of the guys opposite of your actual fandom, or your actual rooting interest. I, I would love to see the Cardinals get through. I'm worried with just the, the skill players they have now around Kyler Murray, that even though they've had some good results, even in that stretch, that they are going to lose. And it's, it's fairly easy to see how you would play it from that perspective. If you want to play both sides and you expect them to lose, Ertz could have the big game and be the guy who plays it. There are so many tight ends that could score a lot of points in this contest. But then as you think about what the best lineup is going to be and having exposure to the stars 
but getting off of them for some guys who are going to be eliminated in the first round, but score a lot of points in the first round, then I get back to maybe only just having the one tight end lineup. I was thinking that it would work out to play a lot, but, and, and if you take the, the Dallas side, then maybe you want to have Schultz. But I think if you take the Dallas side, then you've got to play a Dak Prescott team. Yeah, I like, I like Dak if you're playing Dallas. Uh, and as we talk about the Cardinals and the Rams and then uh, the 49ers in, in Dallas, I'm getting the sense that most people are more comfortable playing the San Francisco side and, uh, and then obviously playing the L.A. side. So I'm kind of interested in the Cardinals and Dallas just because uh, it seems like they're going to be kind of underplayed. But then the tricky part is how do you do it? Because like Zeke, we talk about the running back stuff. There's not a ton of running backs. Zeke's kind of gross. Uh, I don't love putting him in. We don't really have an Arizona running back that, I mean, if anyone, you'd have to play Edmonds right now. And, and people I don't think are going to like doing that. Uh, and I, I, I don't feel great about it. So it's like what I guess it's really just Ertz, maybe Kirk. And then, you know, you got to figure out it between Zeke and, and CD and Schultz. Like, do you have reads on if you're playing those teams to win outside of the quarterbacks, which I do like, but but outside of the quarterbacks, how do you, how you play those teams? I don't think that you can play Arizona to win other than playing Murray. And it is interesting there because you can play him. Obviously, he's got the rushing ability. And one of the reasons why I probably play them to lose is it's, it's with how inconsistent they've been and what the schedule is going to be, then I think – Picking them to win twice is trickier. If you pick them to win once, you have to almost pick them to win multiple games. And then that part is perhaps mm -hmm. a little bit more problematic. You mentioned Chase Edmonds. As I was trying to figure out how to get a second running back into some of these builds, <laughs> Edmonds in a loss, I think, is interesting, especially since it seems like he's going to play Connor, you know, probably our favorite player from this year. It seems very tentative there. And if, if like right before you had to actually lock your lineups, it looked like yeah. Connor was not going to play, then Edmonds in a loss would be pretty interesting. If there was no two running back, two receivers, one tight end, four <laughs> flex, and it was just nine flexes, how, how many running backs would you play? Zero. I, this is a terrible. This is a terrible postseason for running back scoring. I mean, I'm going to be playing Joe Mixon, and that's a team where you could pick Jamar Chase or T. Higgins. I mean. If you would consider Joe Mixon here, then if you didn't have to play running backs, you wouldn't play anybody. <laughs> well, that's so that's why I was I was gonna ask you next about Mixon and that opportunity cost because not only do you have Jamar Chase opportunity cost, which is you know significant, you also have T. Higgins opportunity cost, who I think could get squeezed out, right? Unless people just split it up evenly between Chase and Higgins, which I don't think they'll do. Uh, the fact that you kind of need Mixon, Sean Siegel's talking about playing Joe Mixon. So people are going to play Joe Mixon. You kind of have to. Uh, then I think you're – but by doing so, you're giving up leverage, uh, But I think, with T. Higgins, who who should come in lower owned than Chase. So how are you thinking through that whole that whole situation with the Bengals? And also, Joe Burrow is kind of interesting. Yeah, Burrow is, is the other QB that you have to look very seriously at playing. And so I was disappointed you know, with your sort of roster exposure projections there to have him – as high as you did have him. Does the news today at all that Higgins may have a tiny little bit of an issue? Are you projecting a bigger split now in terms of how people will roster them? I was looking into that. And then in that same Ben baby quote from practice, there was video of T Higgins, even after this injury, catching a ball down the seam, reaching out, catching it, no problem. So I, I don't know. I guess it all depends on how much that 
gets covered from a news angle, but to me, it, it looked like a non-issue for, for Higgins. Yeah. And I want to check projections tomorrow morning and see if, you know, that's if people are starting to cool off a little bit on them. But uh, I think I docked him like one or 2% when we, when we heard that just because I think people are looking for reasons to break ties between Chase and Higgins. Yeah. Uh, certainly the recency bias uh, goes to, goes to Chase, but um, it also just a follow up on, on news and notes stuff. I mean, Cliff did say today that James Conner is like a true game time decision um, for Monday, yep. which is, I mean, talk about how much, you know, we don't get a lot of spots, you know, where it's an extra game and a day out. We're probably not going to have any more clarity than we do now uh, come lock on Saturday. I mean, I, I feel like Chase Edmonds is going to end up just being like an insanely good play if you're willing to clackety clack and, and roll the dice on it. I think I think and so, is, yeah. And this is one of the reasons I'm going ship chasing one, two, three. There are going to be some <laughs> Edmonds lineups in there. That, that <laughs> Edmonds yeah, in a loss is pretty nice. Like if you go, if you have Edmonds Cup, you know, could be good. Yeah, and I mean the other thing too is like even Edmonds in a win without Connor is pretty good too. Like you can you can have your cake and eat. I'm it assuming there too. Connor comes back the following yeah. week, so. It's a bit better in a loss, but but yeah, it could could work out. Um, what are the well, other? Me, oh, go ahead. I just want to ask as we kind of finish the running back conversation. There's probably there, well, there's two there's two more groups to really talk through. There's the well, I'm playing this game as kind of a shootout anyway in J, in Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris, but you're giving up some pretty interesting pass catching options to go there, and then you've got the new England Buffalo game that I'm playing is like this cold, miserable game. Why don't I just play one running back fade the other team or how interested in, in those two buckets are you in terms of just getting, getting that second running back in there? Well, the Harris thing is interesting because I think that he's only been the leading rusher for them like twice in the last nine games. Now, obviously he's set up to be that now it looks like, although he is perhaps a tiny little bit dinged up and just, I think that in a loss, now the thing with, with Harris is that he could be the guy in a win. And so if you get two games from him, then that's great. I mean, you would need to not play, I think, the Bills guys, which would just be hard because they're so exciting. Yeah. Um, you look at Harris, you look at Jacobs, those guys could both catch a ton of passes and find the end zone. So if you're looking for a running back in a loss who maybe isn't going to be rostered on that many teams, then I think I would prefer to go that direction. Pat, I wanted to ask you because Ben and I actually talked about it a little bit after we got done recording today and how Juju was such a big part of one of my teams. And I think some of the ship chasing teams last year, is there any chance that Tyler Boyd could be the Juju Smith Schuster of this season? Yeah, he kind of, I think he kind of is in terms of the way it lines up, but you, you know, you're very, very nice to say that we had some, some Juju. Leone forced us to play Juju. We uh, were kicking and screaming and I, we did not have much. So <laughs> yeah. just like that, someone will be talking Sean, me I, in, <laughs> into Tyler I Boyd. Sean I won't be the one. Yeah. 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 So uh, just like last year, I'll be underweight the smash pivot play in Tyler Boyd. Yeah. I mean, that, that game does feel like it could have that kind of Cleveland, you know, Pittsburgh shootout potential where it could just get, you know, pretty wonky where everyone's getting there um, in some regard. And then you just hoping that you have the, the highest scoring pieces from it. But if they win through, I mean, Tyler Boyd's had a very solid stretch here. Solid. 
it's just hard because it's like <laughs> if if it was T and Chase were both going to be like 30% and you could get Boyd at 5%, then it like starts to get a little interesting. But if Boyd's going to come or T's going to come in sub 10% or down no, there. No, I don't I, I think it'll be I think it'll be around 20. You think? Yeah. I think people will still be but he'll be between 15 and 20, I think. Yeah, I, I probably would take the under on that. I just really think if people are playing a Bengals wide receiver, they're just going to feel so good about Chase. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll I see. just have district guys heard... love T Higgins. They're the ones that sniped us on him. Remember? So been, I know, been but pumping. but just like you said, the fact that even zero RB enthusiasts are talking themselves into Joe Mixon because it's so gross, and then even yeah. a lot of the boomers are in love with Jamar Chase. I could just see those two soaking up the majority of it um, and people not necessarily messing with T. I, I could, yeah. One thing I try, I've been trying this year is like if I identify like, okay, T Higgins smash 9% owned, I, I'm a little bit like I'll kind of, you know, I want to put him up closer to where I think like, you know, it's not an obvious like just hammer the shit out of it type of play because, you know, giving the field some respect on that. Um, I, I, yeah, I think he's sort of an obvious pivot. Um, but man, I would love it. Sub 10%. Let's go. Um, Sean, when, when you say that you kind of have some interest in Joe Burrow in this contest, is that you think the, you're playing the Bengals to the Super Bowl in that case, or do you think you could get away with Joe Burrow in three, three matchups? Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that's kind of fun about the tournament this year is that, uh, I think that there are multiple scenarios in which you don't have to have your your quarterback in the Super Bowl, and Joe Burrow would be one of those. You know, if Kelsey, and then on the opposite side, you get a Cooper Cup or uh, an Adams, or even I mean, someone like Debo. If the 49ers made it, could cover the quarterback pretty easily, mm-hmm. right? And so you have a situation if he can get through against the Chiefs, but he's also just interesting because the potential there for so many points is obvious in that. It's, it's really easy, kind of the opposite thing almost with the Cowboys where they have a lot of weapons, but individually the weapons don't project that well, where on the Bengals side, they've got a lot of weapons, but the weapons do project well. And yet if they play to that, I don't know, it, it's tricky because we saw with Joe Burrow all season, the sort of Jekyll and Hyde type of performance. And you see these games come out where they can't protect him. He takes a lot of sacks and it's just sort of mystifying how they're not throwing the ball effectively when they have those three receivers. And then you see what happens sort of down the stretch. And it just seems inevitable. You know, how could you not do that with those three receivers? But if it gets spread out a little bit, which is definitely possible, and it's not going to be every time that we have a 40 point game by Higgins offset by a 50 point game from chase. And you could get all of those points if it's spread and the Bengals make it. I mean, you're talking about just massive, massive performances from Burrow. And then in that context, like you said, if they do lose to the Chiefs and then Kelsey is who you have with that and Kelsey scores big in the Super Bowl, you can still win. And Ben yeah. reminded me today that, that one of the gross Burrow games was, in fact, the last time they played the Raiders when Joe Mixon went for 123 yards and two touchdowns on a season-high 30 carries. Which would be no fun uh, to watch Joe Burrow throw for 148 yards and one touchdown around one. Let's not have that, please. <laughs> so are there any quarterbacks that you think um, – I guess I'm trying to think through the quarterbacks. Any quarterbacks where you think you need four games from them to, 
to be the optimal quarterback if you if you play them? Brady. Or do you think you can get away with three with most of these? Yeah, I mean, really for all of those guys, it's going to depend on what the Super Bowl then is. But I think that if you obviously are playing Murray or Prescott, you need them to get pretty deep. And that makes it, I think, a much more contrarian type of play and a play that has a lower chance of, of giving you a good score. It's got a higher chance of giving you this crazy score. And we talk about like how differentiated you would need to be and how many points you would need to score. But that's also within the context of what actually does happen because the, the different ways the playoffs could play out would really change. I mean, beyond just this idea of what teams make it, how the games play is going to have a, a huge impact, right? Because one of the things Ben and I were talking about earlier today is with Rogers. I mean, there is a path there for him to have huge performances. I mean, if you're a big MVS or Alan Lazard fan, or you love them both, you know, you get your Aaron Rodgers and expect that to be a game where they actually shut down uh, multiple games where teams go out and do everything possible to shut down Devontae Adams. And yet the Packers still kind of roll through those guys, get their points. Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones gets receiving touchdowns and, you know, you go from that perspective. So, we could have a lot of different things that play out and that would really dictate what you had to have there, but certainly you can be, you can try and differentiate by, you know, getting some of these Raiders and Steelers, or you could do it by trying to get those NFC quarterbacks. Um, question in the chat here. A lot of people now kind of wondering, you know, about how chalky certain things are going to be. Samantha asking here about total cumulative team ownership. And if there's a percentage that's optimal again, to kind of make analogies to DFS, I would be careful with cumulative ownership because if you have a really high cumulative ownership, but you have like a 1% play in there, I think you're, I think you're probably okay. If, if worrying about a dupe is kind of your main concern, um, that is much more preferred to, if you have, you know, a bunch of guys that are all equally owned. So that kind of difference between a product ownership, you know, multiplying all of the percentages versus summing them, I think would be more instructive for wondering where your lineup's at. Do you guys have takes on that? I think that's exactly right. Especially like cup and Adams and stuff. If you're just doing cumulative, you're going to get faked out a little bit by how high those guys are. I mean, you could play those guys and it doesn't mean that you have to go completely off the radar with everything else. There's you can play those guys together. Spots. Right. Exactly what I'm yeah. saying. And then yeah. in, in a, in the sum situation, you would be able to see if you're then playing some smart 20%, you know, sort of leverage plays or 15% leverage plays, uh, excuse me, in a whatever. The, yeah. the product, the product ownership, you'd be able to see it in a sum. It wouldn't show up as much because you have the two most, you know, the two highest projected guys. They're gonna they're gonna confuse the the sum ownership equation yeah, and I, a little bit. And if you are playing Cup and Adams, it's probably a good idea to to have a spot that that is differentiating you, whether it's you know a lower owned pivot guy like Boyd or something, or if it's just an unexpected upset uh, that you know most people that you're just going out there and kind of putting this lineup on the line and saying you know this result is happening in, in week one, and if not, it's dead. And yeah, and you could go, I mean, uh, we have Pat's ownership projections in the ship chasing discord, but you know, I would, if I was kind of thinking through that, I mean, right at the top, I see Philadelphia fade and Pittsburgh fade. 
as two of the most popular plays, I might start to entertain. All right. What about a Dallas Goddard in an upset or a Deontay Johnson, you know, not even necessarily in an upset for Deontay Johnson, but just racking up, you know, 13 (laughs) catches or something like that. I mean, all of a sudden you have a play that is so differentiated, you know, from most of the field. And the other thing, I mean, you don't have to do this on every lineup, obviously, but quarterback's an easy place too. Like if, if you're playing a Kyler lineup, you're already pretty unique. You're already cutting the field from 7,200 to what's our, what's your Kyler projected? It's like 6%. About 10%. So, uh, yeah, no, you're right. It's about 6%. Yeah. So it's like 500 lineups fewer. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, even if you have Adamson cup in there, I mean, you still should do some of these other things, but there's a lot of spots to do it. You can combine some of these things. You can, you can be playing a different quarterback. Yeah. You can be, I mean, I think you can play Josh Allen as the shot quarterback with both of those receivers and still do some of like what you can play you Deontay can definitely, and, and, and yeah. make things happen. Yeah, and, and, but the quarterback okay. point's a good one because well, you've got you've got Kyler, you've got Dak, you've got Hertz, you've got Burrow, uh, you've got Brady, you've got Rodgers. All of those quarterbacks, I think, will be like pivot plays in because I because I think it's basically gonna come down to Mahomes. Uh, it's like the beat secondary chalk and then Allen true chalk. Yeah. And the other thing too, again, and sorry for all the DFS analogies, but I think there's so many parallels here too, where, you know, what, where is there going to be the most randomness in scoring? It's going to be with defense and kickers. You know, those are generally fairly hard to project. So if you're looking for a spot to get unique, I mean, that's the place I'm going to look at right away. Um, you were, we were joking about Daniel Carlson last night. He's going to be fairly popular. I mean, just don't play the chalk kicker. I mean, that's immediately a way that the field is probably overconfident in their ability to project how much defense and kicker scoring is going to happen. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask you here, where are we on the current number on Hunter Renfro? And then Pete, what kicker do we need to have? <laughs> uh, Pat, why don't you go on Renfro? Yeah, I I should pull up the exact number. It's something like four percent, um, something in that range. I might have bumped it up to six or something as we talked through it. Uh, but yeah, I was actually just from a like, do you actually play Hunter Renfro? I was writing up the walkthrough today and just noticing how much of his production had come in those two games when he ran a route on like ninety five percent of dropbacks in both games, uh, and the Raiders were running out of eleven personnel at the highest rate they had all season. And then they just flipped and have been going two and three. They were going a bunch of three tight end sets against the Chargers. Uh, they got Waller back. They have Derek Carrier back, blocking tight end. I'm like, I'm not feeling Renfro, to be honest. But I, I have him. I, I've heard a lot about him. People seem interested. So I think I have him around 5 or 6%. I'll pull it up. It's fascinating, too. Didn't in that, in that overtime game, he had what, like, was it less than 20 yards receiving, but he just found the end zone twice? Twice. Yeah, he's four touchdowns in the last five games. I think it is something like that. Sean, do you have some some Renfro interest? Is, was that a leading question? Well, I, you know, as Pat mentioned, we have from week nine to week 14 wide receiver one finishes, which are hard to do in five or six games and then not another one since. But I think Hunter Renfro in a blowout loss to the Bengals is potentially pretty interesting. Are we back to yeah. the beginning of the season here with the Cardinals and the Cardinals kicker? I know that when we did our, <laughs> our chasing stolen bananas, that was the way that we wanted to go. We may have I, I think we are, aren't we? With him, but. By the way, I burned pro at 6%. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, the kicker stuff is interesting too, just because I wonder if these weather situations are going to end up even condensing things further because people aren't going to want to play kickers and, you know, weather concern games. So that's kind of interesting to me. Like, you know, part of me wanted to be like, I think this Bucks team is kind of fraudulent as they're currently constructed. What if what if you soft fade the Bucks with like a, a Ryan suck up type of play? But then it's like if there's gonna be some gross, you know, low scoring weather game, then that's not necessarily the angle you'd want to take there. But so. I, I I do think as far as looking for contrarian kickers, the the first place to look is what teams aren't going to be faded because people want to play. Like we were talking about finding ways to fade like Dallas and San Fran because people want to play both sides of that. Um, you know, the kickers there are probably, uh, yeah. it looks like gold is projecting for a little bit of ownership, but they're reasonable plays. We talk, uh, I think you have Dallas Prater projected. Well. Uh, what's that? Dallas defense as well. Yeah. And you have Prater projected for pretty high ownership. But if you're picking the Cardinals to win, I think you can take Matt Gay, who we have projected really low because of Cup. I mean, that's a, that's an easy way. Like, I mean, I guess we're, we're talking about how to differentiate a chalk team that probably has Cup. Um, Randy Bullock's another one for Tennessee. I think you can soft fade off of Derrick Henry. I mean, like some of these that are like people want to play the guy on the team, you know? Leone's in the chat. Old guys make the best pivots. So good. <laughs> I we need Leone to roll out like a true boomer lineup with AJ Green. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it, he's he's who, he's quite capable of it. It's I guess a, it that would be. The- that wouldn't be the boomer. We'd call that the geriatric optimal uh, brought to you by Michael Leone. Uh, would definitely have Zeke. <laughs> Julio. Oh, Julio. I for, I honestly forgot that was even in play. That's so great. Yeah. Um, I know that he wants him as this year's Juju. So, I mean, just. There you he's go. Waiting, he's up. waiting for Saturday morning for that take, luckily. I haven't heard, I haven't heard of Flat Julio. <laughs> Slow and steady. Um, what other what other teams or um kind of decision points are are you wrestling with right now, Sean? Well, the Titans, right, are an interesting one because so much of what we talked about last year, and it was interesting talking with Ben earlier today because obviously I didn't do these teams with you guys last year, but what we ended up landing on, perhaps not surprisingly, was very similar, moving to A.J. Brown off of Henry. And I wonder if people are going to, and this is something that he, he was saying you're kind of moving in the direction of, of thinking will happen, a lot of people kind of going off of him. And so Based on how you build the rest of your team, I'm almost wondering if A.J. Brown is not the way to play it, that there will be a lot of really smart participants on A.J. Brown, and you might want to actually get away from them by either having projecting the Titans to lose their first game in a low-scoring game. So a little bit like the Bills-Patriots scenario, where even though those are exciting teams, especially the Bills. Maybe that game doesn't go particularly well. You know, could the Titans go out and not just go out, but go out without their guys really scoring? Or do you actually want to get back to Henry despite the questions of how many people will have him, despite the questions of, you know, how do you respond after having not played for a long time? I mean, it's great to have the bye, but, I mean, you're going to go into this not having played. And so you have those big concerns. At the same time, again, I'm trying to look at ways to figure out how <laughs> – putting running backs in the lineup and it almost seems kind of silly if you're thinking how do I play a running back to not go with Derrick Henry well one thing to kind of add to that is the scenario based stuff 
if the Bills win, then the Titans are getting the winner of uh, – and again, I'm just assuming the Chiefs win, but I guess that, that could be a terrible upset that we'd all hate. But let's assume the Chiefs win and the Bills win. Then the Titans are getting the winner of the Bengals and the Raiders. And it is tougher to see them being like really low scoring in those games. But if the Patriots win, Titans, Patriots, much easier to see being low scoring. So I guess, are you more interested in pairing that Titans fade with, with the Patriots? And it, the Patriots are also so tough, as we talked about earlier. Like, it's no fun to play a Patriot. But uh, that would be, I think, how you get that super low scoring game most likely. Yeah. And so, again, if you go with Damian Harris, it's a, a situation where then it would be really easy to simply not take Titans. And then I think you, again, you would get a lineup that even though there are a lot of people picking the Bengals to go through the Titans, as you know, we kind of expect the Bills to feed into the Chiefs there. And so the Bengals going through and you could see the Bengals holding the Titans down as well. I think either way you do that. But if you have Damian Harris in your lineup, then, you know, don't put Titans with him. Yeah. And that's also an interesting, do you think people are thinking through if that scenario, which I, I believe is the chalk scenario, having Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry against each other in the divisional round, do you think that gives people pause worrying about one of those running backs in, in a negative game script? Yeah, except uh, that could be a very, I mean, we do need to consider that as a possibility. It is also a game that could be very competitive and both teams get concerned about the quarterback play and go heavily to those guys. And so both of those guys score a lot of points. And then one of them does advance for you into the next round. And so you have either Henry or Mixon in the championship game, you know, with the Chiefs, a potential situation, I think, to score more points off those those guys. And so that would be an element of it. But again, with Mixon and Henry, I'm just <laughs> very drawn to them because otherwise, how do you get a running back without going to Leonard Fournette and you know, there, there is a, a situation here where maybe you say, I'm going to build this really awesome team around Leonard Fournette and then forget about the fact that I didn't have any of them this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Fournette stuff, if you look at ETR's projections, he's the top-ranked skill guy for the playoffs. Uh, it does. I mean, the, the weather there, someone was mentioning earlier how gross the weather could be and uh, certainly could see a lot of dump-off passes. Fournette's, like, pretty interesting in, you know, the, the Buccaneers only play two games type of scenarios. Uh, Cause I think if it all kind of crumbles, it might, it might crumble into a bunch of dump offs to Lenny, but obviously his touchdown equity and wins. Um, my struggle with Fournette is, does he come in as mega chalk? Because if so, then I'm, I'm co quite comfortable having some, but not a ton and getting some Gronk and getting some Evans. But if he's pretty tame in the ownership, then he does unlock a lot of stuff and, and creates a lot of flexibility for your lineups. And if you're just thinking about how those teams win or, you know, Ben, what, what is the identity of the Bucks right now? Like losing all these pass weapons, can't you see their identity shift to Lenny and check down Lenny as like the, their primary engine of the offense? Yeah. I, I mean, it was a sad realization talking with Sean today that I'm going to wind up very excited about all the running backs that I don't like, but yeah, I think Fournette makes a lot of sense from that regard. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things Sean and I talked about on our first look this week is, Sean, your your first thoughts were like, in, the way to build the zero RB team in this was to kind of flip the conventional logic where you you want 
obviously your quarterback to be going as far as possible. You also kind of want your running back to be from teams that are going kind of far because those teams are racking up wins and they're playing in positive script. And then your sort of pivots to pass catchers can be in the one game situations or they can go long if it's Cooper Cup or whoever. But those guys often are going to be in one game and it's a loss specifically. And, and that can typically push uh, offenses towards more passes, right? So a lot of times the running backs aren't going to get there. But Sean's idea sort of was for the zero RB build was maybe we should be targeting the running backs that we are actually playing to lose in the first round because this is a playoffs that there aren't a lot of good running backs and it could be a pass heavy. And we can see scenarios where the conference championships are, are four pass first teams. And so that's a really interesting build. So our first discussion. So you're saying, like, well, just because what Sean's saying is basically he's hoping that everyone else gets their running backs through so that he can play wide receivers directly against yeah. them. Yeah, that's exactly that's a beautiful. Right. It's so a beautiful he wanted to play thing. like Jacobs and, and Najee Harris and have like a yeah. Burrow team. So he's playing Burrow to win. And and I thought that was really unique, like interesting and unique. The way that I think we got to it this morning was talking a little bit more about the, the teams that are maybe more likely to play two games. So it's like it's a it's a middle. We're not necessarily playing the running backs to the conference championship. But if you play Fournette to lose in the second round, like Pete said, I mean, I, you can see Fournette having a big first game probably a decent second game. It's a, a similar reason for why you might want to play Henry. They're probably being underrated to win their first game. I mean, I like Sean's idea of full fading them as well, but it's not bad to play Tennessee to win a game and lose in the conference title maybe. And uh, Mixon's another one that we've talked about. Mixon's, I think, becoming one of my favorite plays just because I really do like them to beat the Raiders. I like them to go far, but, I mean, if they played two games, it's a scenario where Mixon could wind up being just – one of the only running backs who has a couple of good scores because he is a big part of their offense, just sort of by nature of being there because it's not yeah. really him who's driving it. But anyway, I like I like this idea of like playing a two game running back and then playing a three game receiver because it, it's a it's a well, pass is, first playoff. What about Zeke in that? Because I like I'm struggling with Dallas. Zeke is a pretty good candidate for two game running back. Fournette is as well. There's a couple guys, Eli Mitchell, but but with Zeke. You know, Cooper, I think, is going to be very low-owned. Schultz is going to be a pivot play. I still think CD will be fairly chalky. Where are you at on on uh, on Zeke versus those skill players, Sean? Well, the problem that I run into with him, I mean, obviously, you've got the Pollard issue, but then you say that they do well in the first game, and they get through, and then, I mean, that's going to just be all Lamb, Cooper, Schultz. I mean, it's going to be, and, and probably Pollard, and that's going to be this massive shootout where both teams are just scorching each other through the air. And when they do hand off and Ellie gets tackled for a two-yard loss, then they quickly remember that, oh, yeah, we want to pass on these guys. So the fact that, I mean, he's maybe more interesting if you want to really go out there, and I don't even think it's necessarily that far out there for the reasons that Pete mentioned, where, I mean, this the reason to not be picking an Eagles upset is just even in an upset, and even if they play two games, you're like, I mean, how do you play that, right? I mean, Jalen Hurts with the quarterback, unless you think he's going to go to the championship game, it's a little bit trickier. And the rest of those guys, just seeing the upside with it is, is just so difficult. I mean, Dallas Goddard's awesome, and... Ben and I played him on a team that didn't even have the tight end premium and it went okay, but there just isn't the passing volume there to make that work. So that's the reason why you're heavily on Tampa Bay. And so if you're on Tampa Bay and then you see Dallas going into them in the second round, it's just hard to see how Elliott really scores the points that you need. If you did want to go out and say, though, we think the Eagles are going to get an upset, then maybe Elliott becomes more interesting. 
Also, yeah. it's tough to be the highest score on your team when you're not going to be the highest scoring running back. You you kind of blew through that, but that's uh, true. You do want to be the highest Pollard positional player. Going to outscore you, it makes it difficult to be the highest scoring player on the team. Well, that's that what a, I was looking at. So we've we've been talking about these four running backs that Pat has projected over thirty percent in the contest: Henry, Fournette, Mixon, Elliott. Like just looking at these one v ones, like tell you guys, tell me what is the biggest opportunity cost here? Derrick Henry over AJ Brown. Leonard Fournette over Rob Gronkowski, Joe Mixon over Jamar Chase, Zeke Elliott over C.D. Lamb. Joe Mixon. Lamb feels also like, Higgins. Zeke and Lamb feels like one of the lower opportunity costs. I mean, all those other options are. I mean, the, the, the love C.D. Lamb obviously, but the reality is like the the target share is not. I mean, th- that offense has been spread out. The Dallas pass game has been spread out. Target share has not been there. He's not been as explosive as Chase. I mean, you don't have the tight end premium like with Gronk, and Gronk's going to get condensed targets as well. So, but like, that's not the only part of the equation. Like, then you're still no. playing Zeke. You you have to you have to play Zeke. Yeah, <laughs> I was right. That's true because because yeah. Mixon's just better than Zeke. Mixon, Mixon like can run. I'm interested in. in- sorry, in Lamb a little bit from the perspective of the Cowboys have seemed to spend a lot of this season trying to make. We had the Amari Cooper game where they're like, you know, he said something in the media, we're going to target him 20 times, and hopefully that does it for the rest of the way. You know, they've been trying to make it seem like Elliott is a viable running back, but now you're into this part of the season that matters. And so, you know, we had this long stretch of down games from Chase, and then we saw him blow out of it in such spectacular fashion that now we're projecting this big ownership but then when I look at your numbers, Pat, it doesn't feel to me like you're actually getting that kind of discount on Lamb in terms of how you think the other rosters are going to be constructed, which then makes it less interesting again. Yeah, I guess I just because Zeke is just so gross. No one wants to play him. So we're I mean, if I have I have Zeke at 30%, Lamb at 25%, Schultz at 13%, and Cooper eight. And the spot where I think I could be pretty off is Schultz where like maybe people bump him up and lamb comes down just for the tight end premium play. But you have so many tight ends that are viable. And we built a lineup on here where Schultz was the only tight end and kind of felt silly after, you know, it's like, well, man, we, we gave up a lot of opportunity at, at tight end to play Schultz. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, maybe it's closer than I have it. Maybe it's more like 23, 15 or something, but uh, I don't know. It's just like, Cooper is not giving anyone the warm and fuzzy. So what what are you supposed to do? Yeah. yeah. Even if you say it was maybe not perfect, I do like that Schultz lineup. But also after listening to Ben there a second ago, I mean, I'm back on Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris and get rid of those running backs after round one and have Zebra RB here. <laughs> well, I did want to ask you, like, because one of the things that's going to happen naturally is because running back is, is so gross here, we're going to talk, talk ourselves into the various running backs. Josh Jacobs, it's actually pretty easy to see, you know, a couple touchdowns in the loss. He's the highest scoring Raider. That's not even that hard. Najee, they're going to, they throw to, they threw to him 17 times one time this season. They could easily do that again. Right. So you talk yourselves in, but then as you're going through and making lineups, what if you have three or four running backs in that lineup? Are you just not, are you just preventing? I mean, you probably have no trouble doing this, but, but how many running backs would you play max in your lineup? 
It's just, you're, not just like never, you're never playing three. Whatever the oh, legally no. required amount. Is. <laughs> oh, <obvious>. I, mean, <laughs> I just wanted. I just wanted the two. If the Titans were awesome, right? I mean, if the Titans were actually the team that was going to roll through and beat everybody, yeah, you know, maybe you could get to three because you you'd be Derrick uh-huh. Henry plus a couple guys for sure. But yeah, I mean, just just get those guys out of there as fast as possible. It, it, it kind of comes down to like how comfortable are you playing Joe Mixon and Leonard Fournette, people who are like only starting running backs in the NFL because of all the amazing players around. Well, so what I about love um, this? So I was just going to say that that running back is is so thin. We know that, and we already know just broadly that you know any given week in the NFL, whatever. There's so many more receivers that can produce, and so if you are really trying to thread the needle and optimize for the highest scoring and all those things, I mean, every not every team, but most teams have three receivers that can play. We're not even talking about the second or third receivers in some cases. And I know we've spent part of this week saying don't play Cedric Wilson, don't play you know some of these really long shot guys. But if you want to play a long shot guy, make sure you check out Stealing Bananas, where Ben mixed the case for Samaj P. Ryan. <laughs> what was what was that? Uh, I think that was for the was, was, um, was for the draft tournaments. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was for the draft playoff tournaments. I don't I don't want to play him in the FFPC, but um, it I mean, you know, it could happen. Um, no, but I was saying just there's so many more receivers that can hit. You kind of think through like what are the top scores going to be? How's the optimal going to play out? Like look at the positional leaderboards at the end of the playoffs. And, and like mix running back and receivers, how many running backs are in the top, you know, 30, right? Or top 20 or whatever, however, 10 even. There's probably going to be a lot more receivers in those areas because there's just more receivers generally. And, and we're going to see these particular offenses in general throw it a good amount, right? Yeah. And also just, I, I've been giving, you know, kind of underdog draft ADP uh, data to these guys too, to just see, kind of see you know market sentiment and i will say henry fournette and mixon all definitely go in an adp tier before zeke um those guys are all kind of from you know beginning of round two to like into round three and then zeke will sometimes go like round four round five so there is like a little gap um there and one thing i've noticed is people really like drafting Joe Mixon. Like people will be really aggressive with their Joe Mixon uh, drafting on there. And just the entire Bengals themselves have just gotten so much steam lately. Like people are really in on the Bengals right now. Yeah. But I think that's one of the interesting things is that that means they're less in on the Titans to some extent because the, you know, they're often playing the Titans. So, uh, and, and they're obviously very few people are in on the Patriots. So, yeah, uh, that's the only way they're not playing the Titans. So you you're getting kind of that chalk upset path, uh, which is which is tough. And then if you're if you're in on the Bengals, are you playing AJ Brown? I guess if I could know any ownership, I think right now it would be Derrick Henry. Tell me Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, that's no that's your one. I think that's my yeah. Actually, I'm my one it. might be Fournette actually, because if because if if Gronk's like. 18%. I just want to hammer him. But if Fournette's yeah. like, you know, 25, that's also an incredible play. What would be, Sean, if you could know uh one uh exposure ahead of time, which which would you pick? Probably Samuel versus Kittle, because mm. you know, we had that stretch from Kittle. We know the talent level from Kittle. They're 
are interesting scenarios, obviously, where the 49ers make it pretty deep. And then, you know, that would allow you to do some things that, again, give you a lineup that is super powerful, but also is not, you know, heavily duplicated across other other potential entries. Yeah. Um, our friend Michael Leone says, the issue with that is a lot of these RBs have medium projections that are better than wide receivers, which matters a bit more in this type of contest when you're pinned to teams playing one or two games. Yeah, it's a fair point. I, I would just say when they're playing one game, a lot of times you're talking about negative scripts. So the running back better catch some passes too. Right. And that that's why this Chase Edmonds play is is pretty intriguing. Um, there's not a lot of these running backs down here too that you just feel super good about catching passes. I mean, even Najee, like, Pat, you have him at 25%. I mean, he didn't practice again today. Like, if yeah, there's off. any kind of doubt, yeah, you know, I'm not saying, I mean, I, I think that holds if we get good news on him, but that even removes another guy that people at least are comfortable that he's going to catch passes if they're getting boat raced by the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think if he gets in a full practice tomorrow, it'll probably be, it'll probably be fine, but he needs that. And it's probably limited. It's probably limited, and then you get like the, yeah, he'll be all right quote. Yeah. Sean, this is where you you tout Benny Snell. That's why you're here. <laughs> you can never know, go wrong with Benny Snell. I mean, he's got he's got a stronger brand still than Najee Harris, right? Or, <laughs> or did I just not pay attention for the last year? <laughs> That's right. Um, he looked he looked kind of good in uh, in relief last week. Yeah. And it is because there's the uncertainty with the chiefs is just no one in the opportunity cost is so high. No one's playing CH or Durrell, right? Well, CH is a guy that now there's a realistic chance he's out for week one. So I think you'll see a little bit of Daryl Williams. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to have to bump him up. I could see him coming in. It's just so hard for in the right before the show. Um, but that's probably a little too high because people are thinking about round two. But maybe what do you yeah. think? Like two? Just just something. Just two, a little three. little sprinkling. A little sprinkle. Sean, what what's the most amount of tight ends you could see in your your playoff lineup? Well, I was thinking that you could end up with even two or three with how strong it, it is. But then when you build out the teams, you're kind of push back into really wanting to get some of the other guys on those teams. And I think use them in different lineups as opposed to all in the same lineup. But again, if you're only going to play one or two lineups, then I think a multi tight end team does get to be kind of interesting because probably you're not going to have a lot of other participants do that. And, you know, with the tight end premium, you could easily see them go off for these huge scores. I mean, Mark Andrews was the guy who really dictated the fantasy playoffs. We could see that from somebody in a slightly different world. And we could have seen that from George Kittle. And then obviously you'd be looking at him in a different light as it you know, relates to Samuel, as I mentioned a moment ago, I think that those guys, when you're talking about Kelsey and Gronkowski and Kittle, and then, you know, you guys have mentioned Schultz, the upside there is big. And so then, especially if you're looking at some of those guys to be in games where they lose, I mean, if you're talking about multiple games where you need it and these guys have probably lower reception totals as you go along, but if it's a one game and a loss, then it's pretty interesting to have multiple guys there. 
Yeah. That makes sense to me. Uh, Gretch, what's, what's your max tight end? Is there a max tight end for you? You mean number in one lineup? Yeah. How five. freaky can you get? I, I, five, five. I haven't it. built any. I mean, I have not even really actually entertained building five tight end lineups, but I mean, I don't know. I think we started the week thinking that was going to be a really, you know, unique thing. Um, but I've had people that, that I, you know, that I would say are not as plugged in and not listening to a lot of content. Send me lines to be like, Oh, you know, here's this unique lineup and their big unique thing is playing, you know, three or four tight ends. And it's like, I, I just think it's something that everyone kind of sees right away. Yeah. So. Uh, Sean, we have a uh, beastie here in the chat. He wants the chiefs takes, you know, our quasi boots on the ground here uh, is Travis or sorry, is Tyreek healthy. Uh, can this team string together four big performances here? How are we feeling? Yeah, the Chiefs are going to go through, right? And so I never like to play the most straightforward lineup, but you need to play the winning lineup, which is Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. So then you build off of Patrick Mahomes, get all those Tyreek Hill and uh, Travis Kelsey points in there. And so, yeah, I like it. Yeah. I think, where what do you have uh, the, the Kelsey and Hill at right now, Pat? You're muted. I keep adjusting it um, because of this Hill stuff, but I have I have Kelsey at 60% and, and Hill is down to – I have Hill down to 12%. Yeah. Is that crazy? That, uh, should I, should, what do you think? I mean, he was back at practice, and it seems like the injury concerns are, are starting to fade. Um, I guess it all has – goes back to how confident people are feeling about other tight ends um, compared to if the field thinks Travis Kelsey can really separate from the rest of them. And one of the things we've finally seen a little bit recently is that the peripheral pieces as they've needed to, as we've had these guys on the COVID list, as we've had them deal with some nagging injuries, as Travis Kelsey has actually committed some big third down drops, all of those kinds of things. Now, it hasn't been Josh Gordon who continues to look absolutely terrible, but some of these other guys are making some plays. Some of the other receivers are making some plays in the passing game. And overall now, the offense looks more stable and more ready to beat teams in a variety of ways than they looked at midseason, where if you were to say Tyreek Hill is iffy or is not going to be 100%, then you might back way off of the Chiefs. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I bumped him to 15 and took Kelsey down to 57. It just felt a little too. This felt a little too low. This is, these are the kind of things that make Pat feel alive. Bumping do, Kelsey do. down to 57. <laughs> percent Yeah, feels great. Have you been have you been waking up in cold sweat saying like, oh my god, I should have Cam Akers projected for two percent instead of one percent? No, no, no. I think I have him for zero. I feel and I feel great about it. Matt uh, Stone had a comment here about about Fryermuth. Uh, I kind of think Farmouth's like slightly above the Mendoza line of, of who you can play in this contest. Like I Claypool's, you know, already going to be 1%. So you don't really need to go there, but it is tight end premium. So I think he's like above the Uzama line. The problem is, is 
Fryermuth is going to get there with a two touchdown game, yes. not the death by a thousand, you know, 1.5 cuts. And I am 100% sold on the 1,000 Ben Roethlisberger pass attempts. You cannot convince <laughs> me of any other outcome in this game. First thing I thought of too, Pete, was like, yeah, Fryermuth can do it, but he's not going to do, he's not probably going to have a 12 target game. And that's how this is playing out. There's no other way this is playing out. Roethlisberger's throwing 57 times. Yeah. And then, so that's why, yeah, it seems a lot of roads point back to Deontay because uh, Ben already loves him. If Najee's a little banged up, I mean, Fryermuth and Claypool could definitely get there. Fryermuth on touchdowns, Claypool on big plays, but I guess it's a little tougher. And because I guess that's why Deontay is going to be more popular because there is that certainty where it's like you need a yeah. more like back and forth good game for probably Claypool and Fryermuth. Whereas you could have the Chiefs win 40 to 10. And Deontay Johnson or Najee Harris get, you know, 10 plus targets easily. Do you think that Deontay Johnson will ultimately be more popular than Harris? I guess a lot's going to come down to the injury stuff. But, you know, I think everyone's telling themselves the story of this game shooting out if you're going to play the Steeler. But at the same time, Najee Harris is probably going to be like the 105. And Deontay Johnson is not going to be anywhere near the 105 in FFPC League. So it is like and- a. Yeah, and we're talking. We were talking about opportunity cost on a team. I mean, now you start to talk about opportunity cost at a position. You know, like right. once once you're doing that, you're having to leave out a, a Debo or a CD Lamb or a Mike Evans. So exactly, Deontay is a pretty big decision point. I, I think if there were no concerns about Najee's health, that people would be happy to burn the running back slot on him. Yeah, I think there's a. I mean, I <clears throat> I've said this a couple times maybe on the show already this week, but I think there's certainly a subset of the fantasy community that's kind of seeing Najee similar to, to, to Jonathan Taylor at this time last year, which to all of us doesn't seem really logical, but he was efficient running the ball late this year. He was a high draft pick coming in this year uh, in, in redraft and, and produced and especially recently has had some big rushing games that he hadn't had. And so people are talking about him as, you know, a first-round dynasty pick, a, a first-round pick in redraft for next year. Um, I mean, I think people want to play him on that on that level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, too, I mean, Pat, you still have Pittsburgh fade as one of the biggest fades in the contest, too. Yeah, there just has to be, like, I mean, I don't know, unless people just go really all out against New England – which I already kind of have them doing. I have 69% of the field fading New England, uh, whether it's just all out or um, through the soft fades, which is well above their chances of playing two games. It, some of some of that makes sense because it's hard to pick the right guy, even if they do play two games. But there's like, everyone wants to play San Francisco, right? Uh, people Are people going to play Pittsburgh at a higher rate than than Cardinals guys? I have, that, I have them as pretty dead even but I, I guess i could see that but that seems like kind of bad to some degree like you could potentially get two games out of your cardinals guy you're already eating the chalk with cup you know you're already you're already like hand in hand with the rest of the field when you lose cup that's not even a big deal and you get the cardinals guy moving forward you get the advantage so there's you know i think there's some merit to playing the cardinals guy anyway i'm struggling to see pittsburgh not being um like played to have the fade go any lower. Cause I feel like I've already have it pretty low relative to their odds of playing two games. Sean, if you had to play a new England player 
and and say you wanted to fade Damian Harris as well, what New England pass catcher might you be interested in? Well, are we allowed to play Kendrick Bourne? I mean, he's the <laughs> wow. he, he's the star from there. You're allowed group, to play right? whoever you want. Harms <laughs> wanted three percent moves. Can I introduce you in a 0.05 percent move? <laughs> I round down. <laughs> and, uh, and Firemuth, right? Not the play for this, but is going to be a twenty percent win rate player next year. So it's it's easy to see why Firemuth would be mentioned. The thing that that you were saying there, Pat, that is interesting, and then it comes back. I think to you know, are you going to play? You know, one or two teams, or are you going to play ten teams? How does that change it? It's just that. I think you have to be in on the Cardinals on some out on some, but then kind of weirdly in on different members of the Steelers for kind of either way, right? Where you have some Harris and you have some Johnson, because even though you're just going to play one game, I think you want to have some exposure to the one game and out guys who are going to score a ton of points. Oh, we lost Sean. No, we, we, <laughs> We got Murphy. But that is, I mean, that's what happened last year with the exact same team, what Sean's saying. You want the one guy, one game and out guys to score a ton of points. That was literally Pittsburgh, and no one thought the game would shoot out. So, Right. Sean, are you back? I think he was mentioning to me earlier having some internet issues, and I think he's probably just switching his internet and should be good to go when he gets that fixed. No, I think Sean's just acting, and this is just an incredible pause. Ready? <laughs> I, I was already getting out my best ball notebook to write down uh, draft more Pat Fryermuth than you were planning to draft after uh, Sean's comment there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I on the Pittsburgh thing, I think we got Sean back because Pittsburgh is such so likely to only play one game. Uh, I mean, and according to the like if you just look at the line they still have a 17 percent chance of, of beating the chiefs so it's not like you know it's a one percent chance but they're you know the, the least likely team to advance does that make you more interested in going a little bit like off the beaten path maybe not to firemouth but what about the claypool who's probably going to be one percent owned and if you're just trying to pick a guy who scores the most points in one game there's like a little bit less risk uh you know like compared to with the with the with the boyd pick you're probably getting two games out of the Bengals and you're going to have to have Boyd beat everybody in two games. That feels, feels like a thin bet, but in just one game, anything can happen. Yeah. So then that I like this, this two touchdowns from Friar Muth with the, uh, with the 50 passing attempts that makes Friar Muth's normal pass volume up into the range where we could be interested. No, I just think you have to have such a high projection for Deontay Johnson and for Nashi Harris that, even if you're playing a bunch of teams, you split it between those two guys and you actually end up with a lot of exposure to those guys, even though you expect the team to lose. Yeah. Um, what do you say we build a team, fellas? Let's do it. So, Sean, we've been, yeah. we've been doing uh, a show each day this week and I've been registering us, uh, each team we build at the end of the stream in the uh, Football Guys Playoff Challenge. So, this there is skin in the game here. So before you start, you know, trying to toss Kendrick Bourne into this lineup, <laughs> I just want you to know I shelled out thirty-five dollars of my hard-earned money for this. <laughs> He's trying to turn that into a lot more money. <laughs> That's right. And uh, the other thing to catch you up on, uh, 
Sean is Ben has been taking the very brave stance of putting Cooper cup into our lineups uh, these days. Look, somebody's got to take the low on plays. I'm sorry <laughs> that you guys won't get contrarian enough, but somebody's got to, you know, give our, give it, give us some differentiation in here. Um, but Sean, you, you have the honors. You can kind of steer this uh, lineup in whatever uh, direction you want. What do you, what are you feeling here? Well, I made the case for the chiefs, avenging their Super Bowl loss. And so if we believe that is going to be the path, I've got my Chiefs going here. We, let's go with Patrick Mahomes. This is fun. Boom. Yeah, this already became fun. All right, let's go. Uh, we'll go down the uh, – we'll head south here to Pat. Uh, what do you think? Deontay Johnson, we just talked about. Ben's going to throw a million wow. times. Let's do it. All right. There it is. Now we have our uh, our little mini stack for that game. Uh, ben, you want me to go cup or you got somebody else in mind? <laughs> um, I will go. Highest whopper in the league. <laughs> um, the NFL in yards per hour. <laughs> I'll go uh, mixing. I like Mixon a lot. <laughs> All right, Mixon. I'm gonna is. I'm gonna add the first running back. We know Sean's not gonna be taking any. We'll get us going with Mixon. Sean, I'm how gonna, many I'm... more running backs would you normally add to this lineup? Well, well two and a half. <laughs> 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 wow. Uh, well, that's Three because I no because well, Sean's setting up where we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> setting up Debo, who is a one wide receiver and half a I running see. back. So <laughs> I, I am gonna is. I'm gonna chew up. I'm gonna chew up through our last running back slot. I'm gonna do it for the team. We talked about it. I'm ready to go <coughs> full cojones here, Chase Edmonds. Ooh. Oh, I like it. We have a Connor on one of these. Can you uh, can you flip yesterday's to Chase Edmonds? <laughs> <laughs> I will probably review these. Uh, yeah, please lock. do. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I'm not making promises, but I probably will review them. That's in the spirit um, of uh, of that lineup. Well, it's kind of like our Swolecast lineups too, where except those I toss in free rolls and then I do not change them. I will just take a zero <laughs> uh, at it. Um, all right, uh, Sean, you're back around here. Well, let's let's make sure that we can't get. Leonard Fournette and take Rob Gronkowski. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there's anyone, Sean, that you write about with more disdain than Leonard Fournette. (laughs) I felt bad putting Mixon and Fournette in the same category earlier. So I'm like, Mixon is fine. He's a decent player. I shouldn't have mentioned those guys together. That's a great Sean backhand comment. That was beautiful. Oh my! You'll just—I'll just be like reading along the like zero RB report, just humming along, and then just some complete blindsided attack on Leonard Fournette. (laughs) (laughs) Um. All right, Pat. So good. All right, so. I guess so. We're gonna have the Bills. And the Chiefs play if they win. Um, or we're going to have the Patriots go to the Titans if they win. I'm going to let someone else make the decision. Let's go Darren Waller. Okay. All right. This is getting fun. Uh, Gretch. Hmm. 
see the board, be the board. Playoff scenarios flying across. A beautiful mind makes his selection. Are you playing Edmonds in a loss here or in a win? Either. That's the beauty of the Just play. Just pick him, man. <laughs> you, you don't realize what I'm thinking. I'm thinking uh, Matt Gay right now. <laughs> this, oh, is where, this is where Ben says Matt Gay. He goes, ah, no, I won't do it. Just do cup. I think, I think we do want Edmonds in a loss because we don't want Connor coming back around too. Okay. That's not even a bit. I, I yeah, think that's why I asked. Often. That's why I asked. I was kind of thinking. So we want, we don't want a Rams kicker here. Yeah, we probably want the Rams to win. All right. I'll take, uh, I'll go CD. I'll go CD Lamb. Wow. CD Lamb. Wow. <laughs> okay. We, someone needs to put Cup in this lineup. Because we're running out of spots and we're going to have to now. <laughs> See, you start to get freaked out a little bit, don't you? <laughs> well, I put Devontae Adams in this lineup. Uh, and now it's it's Deshaun. Well, I was going to go with the Dallas defense, but we can no longer make that Ooh. move. Because so. you want a Debo. And, I, and, I, and you don't want to play both sides of that game, I know. But I, I think we can play both sides of that. We're running out of – we like literally – can we? No, we can't. We literally can't play both sides of that unless we don't play cup. Why? You're saying that because we couldn't. You don't have a Patriot or a Bill. Yeah. Mm. But well, you we can take Lamb out. You can make Lamb Debo if Sean wants to do. Let's do. I was I was between Lamb and Debo. Let's do Debo instead of Lamb, and okay. Sean can do the the Dallas D idea. Is that your pick, Sean? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Pat. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. And then are we just feels uh, good, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, I, I I wish you had done it. I would have been more fun. <laughs> um, Diggs or AJ Brown, really tough uh, call for you here. I just like fade the Titans more. Yeah, well, we we can't take AJ Brown because then we wouldn't have a Patriot or a Bill. Yeah, you need to take. A, I mean, you could take. A I mean, Patriot, I could take I Kendrick Bourne. Shout out, Sean. <laughs> I'll take Diggs. Okay. And then that leaves us a uh, place kicker. I kind of like Bullock. No one's, yeah, I, mean, I would go Bullock because you're getting the Bengals. The Bengals are uh, going into Tennessee. All right. The final lineup for those listening at home is Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, Joe Mixon, Chase Edmonds at running back, uh, Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs uh, in at our wide receivers, Darren Waller and Rob Gronkowski as our tight ends, Randy Bullock on the bye at place kicker, Dallas defense. I think this is a pretty fun lineup. It really is. What are our full fates here? The New Eagles yeah, and New England. New England. Yeah, popular, but I think the lineup is well. Is this too chalky? Well, Edmonds is pretty differentiated. Edmonds, Bullock, I think Waller's not Dallas D. Dallas D won't Dallas be super D. popular. This is probably a good example of the cumulative versus product ownership. You know, this would have a very high cumulative, but I think the product would be held in check by a few of these. Yeah, I, I think this is good. Alan says it's yeah. unique. We're good. All right. Sean, 
we did it. We just built the winning lineup. Uh, let's check the prizes here. See how much uh, we're splitting when this hits. I believe it's a hundred thousand. Hundred K up top. Twenty five K, Sean. I mean, I know you don't get out of bed for anything more than fifty K, but would you be happy with twenty five K here? You have to, right? I mean, you, you got to you've got to get comfortable with second place. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, well. Sean, you, you did make the prediction that we're going to go, you know, one, two, three in, in these contests. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's one of these lineups. Um, tell us, I know you guys have been teasing uh, a Stealing Bananas episode that's uh, dropping tomorrow, correct? It is. Awesome. Anything else uh, coming up this week at Rotoviz that people should keep an eye out for? Just have lots of fun content on this particular contest. We've got our rookie guide that we're selling. We've got new episodes, as you mentioned, of Ceiling Bananas. We got some more OT coming out, uh, looking at some of the best ball listener leagues that we did, which is kind of fun. Uh, the listeners really hammered us, which obviously they enjoyed. And so some some fun content on a variety of different topics there. Awesome. Uh, Gretch, anything else uh, for you between uh, now and 23 hours from now when we fire this up again <laughs> i'm ready for 23 hours from now getting hammered and arguing with leone about zeke ownership percentages that's i mean that's what i'm looking forward to <laughs> that's right uh this is a, this is actually a good plug uh from historical anomalies to subscribe to the rotoviz youtube channel uh we know hassan and blair are over there doing their show on there and i know you guys uh actually need to respond to a message from calm uh but i know you guys are beefing up your youtube presence so i'll post that link in the show notes when we get done but be sure to check out rotoviz all the great work over there and the new youtube channel here not new but relatively new um pat anything else on on your radar you said you need to go uh, work on the walkthrough i'm working on the walkthrough yep uh that'll be out probably probably tomorrow late afternoon Maybe okay evening. we'll see awesome and then, yeah, like I said, we're capping off uh, our FFPC playoff challenge week tomorrow night. We're going to have Leone. We're going to have Dink. There are going to be drinks and beverages flowing. There's going to be, um, you know, very uh, semantic arguments, nitpicking percentages, bickering, everything you guys could hope for. We'll be doing that tomorrow at 9.15 p.m. I'm excited for Dink to be the peacemaker in all this. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I I'll also say uh, the ownership projections are – in, they're pinned to the Discord channel, so join the uh, become a YouTube Premium member and you can get in the Ship Chasing Discord. See them there, and I'm continuing to update them. Um, I'll probably update them tonight, and then again tomorrow morning. We'll see. Uh, I might, I'll probably do a, I'll probably do one in the afternoon just to flip guys around by a couple points. Yeah, and uh, just to confirm that process, so you become a YouTube member, you hop in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. That link is down there, and then in the general channel, um, I have directions on how to sync your YouTube membership with the Discord, then that channel will pop up. But if you have any questions, you can tag me uh, in Discord on Twitter. We'll get you guys squared away. We appreciate you. Make sure you have your drinks ready for tomorrow night. We will see you then. Keep building. Keep building.